0: says i charge you in the presence of god and of christ jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by appearing and his and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season repute, reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itchy ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Does any of this sound familiar? As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. So we're gathered here today not only to worship God, but also to celebrate the hand of God in Brian's life. And this was affirmed by the Ordination Council earlier in the day, which I assume you must have passed or we wouldn't be here, right? Right? Mandy made a lot of cookies to waste them, is what she told me. So we're hoping that he answered the questions appropriately. Many of you who attended the council, there was questions that uh, Brian was proposed. And there was a level of difficulty that maybe he didn't expect, but it all went well. And that's not unusual for an ordination, ordination council in a Southern Baptist church, whose function is to assess the candidate's knowledge of God's word, the depth of their theological understanding, and their ability to shepherd people of God and, of course, their strength in their walk of God. However, those are the things that usually a church is not looking for in a pastor. Normally, they expect there should be the ability to preach a 20-minute sermon during which he should condemn sin but not hurt anyone's feelings. Many expect a pastor to work from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. doing everything from preaching and counseling to sweeping floors and stocking the church bathrooms with toilet paper. He should earn at least $400 a week, but give $100 a week and be ready to contribute to every school function that comes along. He should be at least 36 years old with 40 years of pastoral experience. He should be on the tall but on the short side, heavy with a thin sort of way, and of course he must be handsome. We let you slide on that one. (laughs) He should have at least one brown eye and one blue eye. His hair needs to be parted in the middle side and left. He must be blonde... It must be dark, it must be straight, and it must be wavy. He should have a burning desire to work with teenagers and spend all of his time with the senior adults. He should smile constantly with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously at his work. These are things we're asking of our our pastor candidates. He should invest at least 25 hours a week in sermon prep, 20 hours a week in counseling, and 10 hours in meetings, 20 hours in visitations, and 30 hours in prayer, and answer the phone whenever he is called. He should attend all committee meetings and all activities here at the church. He should always be available in his office, but always be evangelizing to the community. Of course, he must have a perfect wife, and he must have perfect children. The wife must be kind and patient and perfectly dressed, young and beautiful, but also older and mature. She must be able to play the piano, serve in the nursery, teach Sunday school, sing on the worship team, minister to the women of the church, and of course, host Bible studies in her home. Now the truth is, obviously these are meant to be extremely over the top. There are those in the church who often have this expectation of what your new pastor should be. He should be talented, gifted, funny, scholarly, practical, popular, compassionate, understanding, patient, level-headed, dependable, loving, caring, neat, organized, cheerful, and above all, humble. No one has walked this earth that fits all that since Jesus The story is told of a chairman of a church pulpit committee who received a chain letter in the mail. And it said, This chain letter is to help you bring hope and happiness to your church. Sit down and make a list of five other churches that are not satisfied with their current pastors. Send a copy of this letter to all five churches on the list. Then send your pastor to the church at the bottom of the list. And by the end of this time next year, you should have received... 15,625 pastors, and one of them should at least work for you. But beware, don't break the chain. One church did, and they got their old pastor back. The truth be told, most of these expectations that people have for their pastors comes from themselves and not from the Heavenly Father. This is not a statement based on my own self-interest, but rather the truth that comes from God's Word, which is what we're going to talk about today. I currently serve as the adult 55 pastor at First Baptist Church in Jinx, Oklahoma. But I also was a member of the church and have been since I was about seven years old. I was a teacher while I was doing bivocational ministry and went into full-time ministry in 2004 and sat where Brian sat as being an ordained minister back in 2009. So I've been on both sides of the aisle. And my function here today is to speak on God's behalf, which is very humbling, regarding his expectation for those whom he calls to serve as a pastor of his local church and God's expect, expect, expectations for those who are members of this church. Our text this afternoon comes from the last letter that we have from the Apostle Paul that he wrote before he was taken away and put to death. Because of how boldly he had lived his faith in Jesus Christ, he was put to death. This letter was addressed to a younger pastor named Timothy who had just gone through the process of ordination. This was an affirming time by the local church of the call of God on an individual's life, that he be set apart for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of this as he opens his letters. We're reading on in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. It says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and now. I am sure dwells in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Now as we read these words, we need to remember that the Apostle Paul was in prison while he was writing this letter to Timothy regarding God's expectations of him. This reflects the reality that oftentimes it's not easy being a pastor. Paul was speaking to Timothy when he was in chains. So in a sense of words, he was in his own chain letter that he was written as a primer or an education tutorial as he was pastoring a young man who had been called by God to serve as a pastor in the church. The words of our text for today are the inspired words of God set, and they set the parameters for God's expectations for those who serve as pastors in the body of Christ, whether it be in Timothy's day or in our day. In the words God gives us in this text today, we'll see the who, what, where, when, why, and how of God's expectations for his pastors. And I'll move through these as quickly as I can. These are all words and truths for you today, Pastor Brian which is hard for me to even say. You said well ago you haven't got used to that because you're still the college guy to me. So, Pastor Brian, we're going to be talking to you as well as any other future pastors and current pastors in this room. First of all, we'll start with who. We remember who God has called you to work for. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Contrary to what we might believe, pastors don't work for the church. They work for God by serving the church. That's not pride. That's not arrogance. That's just the truth. The Apostle Paul wrote of this speaking as the shepherd of the church in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5 and 7. When he told the church, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. A pastor is not an employee of the church. He is a servant of God doing the work of God for the purpose of God. And because it is so, pastors must never see their service, work, and purpose in the church to be that of one that we need to please the people. Instead, it is a calling, first and foremost, to please God. We see this in Paul's words in Second Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. It says, So whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. If we displease, displease God, it doesn't matter whom we please. And if we please God... It doesn't matter whom we displease. This is what makes pastoring a church so difficult in the self centered, rights oriented, entitlement minded culture that we live in today. But that's why Paul began reminding pastors who they are and who they are called by and who they work for. He says again, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom. The word charge is a forceful directive. This is a solemn charge because God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son are the real audience to what pastors do. So remember Brian that is your call from God is to be just to labor in the presence of the almighty God and of his son Jesus Christ before you ha- in whom every art heart will be exco- exposed one day and before whom we will up- ultimately give an account for our life that we led on this earth. While many of the things in the pastoral ministry are difficult, Remember who you work for. In the end, in Colossians, Paul writes, Now I receive in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church, of that which, which I become a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. For I tell you, for this I toil, struggle with all his energy that he powerfully works within me so that is the who this is the what the what is remember what god has called you to do preach the word and you did a fine job this morning i was very impressed first college guy wasn't bad i'm just kidding a.t robertson once said one of the best proofs of the inspiration of the bible is that has is that it has withstood so much bad preaching think about that a minute Pastor Brian, you are a gifted communicator, there is no doubt. And now as an ordained minister, you are called to preach the word. Not a suggestion from God, but this is an active imperative because it's God's words that changes lives. And I know that I don't have to tell you this, but this is your charge of the day on this ordination day. Don't ever turn away from your preaching. Don't ever water it down. Don't ever be embarrassed by it. Preach and teach as if a person's eternal... Home depends on it, because it does, and you know that. The word "preach" means to announce, to proclaim, to set forth, and make known. So don't ever stop doing that. In Hebrews four twelve says, "The word of God is a living and active, sharper than a two edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart." In Second Timothy three uh, chapter, excuse me, Second Timothy three sixteen it says. All scriptures, not just part of them, not just the Old Testament, not in the New Testament, all scriptures are breathed out by God and are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. When Lyndon Johnson was elected president back in the 60s, the United, of the, when he was elected president, he asked his good friend Billy Graham to take a position within his administration. Without a moment's thought, Billy Graham said, Sir, I believe that Jesus Christ has called me to preach. And to me, that is the highest calling that any man can have on earth. So, Brian, you have the highest calling on earth. It's very humbling, isn't it? Very humbling. The where. Remember where you are to fulfill your call from God. Be ready. The phrase in the original Greek literally means be instant or always on. Whether you are standing in the line at Walmart, leading a discussion of young adults groups or having dinner with your family down at the Willow Creek Cafe, which is very good, by the way. Or taking your garbage out or shopping at Old Navy at the mall or watching your youth under the Friday night lights, which I hear are all tennis courts around here. So that's really awesome. Whether no matter where you are, be ready. 1 Timothy 4 says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So Brian, the where of your call from God is to the church. It is first to the church of your own family. These three ladies sitting next to you. I don't need to tell you this. But your ordination requires that I charge you with the responsibility to shepherd and lead your wife and your two beautiful daughters, Annalise and Brindley. They love you. They look up to you. They listen to you. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't mean to write that. <laughs> For the most part. And I know you're always ready to dis- discipline them and disciple them. Another where of your call is from this church. You've already experienced the local church as you've moved your family around following God's calling, you planted roots on the banks of the Arkansas River in Tulsa. And then you moved to the heart of Oklahoma in Norman. A few years later, you did that all over again when you moved your family to Taylor, Texas to serve as their youth pastor. And now you are here. And I know Brian is so excited about what God has got in store for this church. The truth is, God, God does not so much call us to a place on earth as he calls us to a person. And that person is our crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. In Matthew sixteen twenty four, it says, If anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then in John sixteen twenty six, it says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. What these two verses tell us about the sacrificial nature of the cross that causes us to come to faith in Jesus Christ is even more specifically affirmed in a pastor's call to vocational service within the church. This should be true, because we, when we surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, we should no longer get our identity from a particular place on earth. What's one of the first things you ask somebody when you're getting to know them. Where are you from? And that's just a common question. But our identity is in Jesus Christ. The truth is, God does not call his people to stay home... He does not call them to go home because there is only one true home that we are waiting on and that's heaven. The words of the scripture only define us in the terms of being pilgrims on this earth just passing through. We are his disciples as well. And Jesus affirmed that in his great commission commission, calling us to go and make disciples of all nations. Pastors are to sacrificially be ready wherever they are and wherever they go. So the when... What is the when? So remember when you are to fulfill your call from God. In season or an out of season. This is intimately connected to the be ready part. In that pastors are to preach and teach and serve and go when it's convenient or comfortable. That's not when it's to be. They are to be ready to preach and teach and serve to go when it's not convenient and not comfortable. How many times have we moved and it's not been convenient? It's not been the right time in our own personal lives. But God's saying, here's the door, walk through it, and I'll take care of you. This also means that we need to be ready when we have planned to preach or teach or serve or go. We also, and, Or then when we haven't planned to preach or teach or serve or go. In other words, expect anything from God. And everything can happen at any time when you're working for God and serving His people. So the why... Remember why you are to fulfill your call from God. It says in the Bible, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. Brian, the reason that God has set you apart to preach and teach and to be ready to go anywhere at any time when anything could happen is because the closer, you get, the closer we get to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, the more God's people will endure or not endure sound teaching. Instead, more and more, and especially in these days and times, those who claim Christ will only listen to teachers who tickle their ears and gives them what they want to hear. We see it happening all around us and sometimes even in us, unfortunately. Notice it says that God's people will accumulate for themselves teachers like this. There certainly does seem to be a great number of preachers and teachers who preach and teak, teach a weak, feel-good, watered-down gospel. And it's pretty easy to do today with all the books, cable TV, internet, social media that we have. Brian, I charge you that you are called to preach the full counsel of the Word of God because people may not be hearing that anywhere else. And, of course, the how... Remember how you are to fulfill your call from God. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. With complete patience and teaching, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Because some who claim faith in Jesus Christ will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, like we've been saying, the Apostle Paul tells us that pastors should preach and teach the word to correct which means to appeal to the mind, rebuke, which is appeal to the will of the heart, and to exhort, which is to appeal to the heart as well. He also tells that we should always be sober-minded, stay calm, and settled when the troubles are around us. Endure suffering, because there will, will be afflictions that will come, being the shepherd of God's people, and do the work of an evangelist. Share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and fulfill your ministry. Don't quit. There will be days you'll want to quit. Mandy, don't let him quit. Discharge all of your duties and the responsibilities that God calls on us to do as pastors. The final how of how pastors are to fulfill their call is from God is back in verse 2. And It says, with complete patience and teaching. Paul is reminding pastors here that they will need a great deal of patience. And they will need to be lifelong teachers and learners because all Christians are still a work in progress, and that includes pastors. Ordination gives evidence of that today. Brian, your ordination is a significant step in your journey to become the pastor that God is calling you to be. be. And today, as John reminded us, you will officially become Reverend Brian Colley. And the only time that will ever be used is on a wedding invitation. Don't call him Reverend. It will just swell his head. So We'll keep him humble. The significant part of the ordination service as well in the church is the charge that is given to the pastor who's been being ordained. But this service would not be complete if the charge was not also given to the church, as Brother Keith mentioned. Just as a shepherd of God's people needs to know what God expects from him, so do the sheep of God's flock. They need to know what God expects from them regarding their shepherd. And just what are we? Just as we we're able to see what God expects from his pastors from the flock, according to t- the words of Paul and Timothy. Here we read that God expects his people to honor, provide, and protect their pastor. I'm reading in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Let the elders who rule be, cons- be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says... You shall not muzzle an ox when it tree treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses and as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that, they, so that the rest may stand in fear. So honor. Let's talk about honor for just a second. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. The role of an elder who is a pastor, involves ruling, making decisions, somewhat of an authority figure, particularly when he's handling God's word from this pulpit. Honor indicates value. And of course, we are all valued in God's eyes, but God seems to give an additional value to pastors because God has called them into a special ministry within the leadership of his church. That, minis- that special ministry is diverse, but God's word specifically mentions pastors should receive double honor because they preach and teach the Word of God. Double honor here refers to two different kinds of honor. The first is that of honor and respect. The office of a pastor is a calling of God, which we've all agreed on, and it should be treated as such. This has nothing to do with what we think about the pastor, but it's all about what we think of God. God's Word tells us that the office of pastor commands respect because God commands respect the title of pastor is spoken out of reverence to God because God called this pastor into a ministry and God placed that pastor into this position to shepherd this congregation in Hebrews 13:17 obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will get who will have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. The second honor that we speak of is the honorarium of respect, reflecting the conviction of those who are called into full-time vocational uh, being God's servant. And they are worthy of the church's financial support. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 3. It says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. God calls you to honor the pastors with respect and financial support for the work that they do in the word. The second way that that God expects us to honor our pastors is through provision, or we provide. Scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads the grain. And it also says the laborer deserves his wages. The command not to muzzle an ox comes from the book of Deuteronomy, which requires an owner to allow an ox to eat the grain that it is grinding. One who works for something should be able to benefit from it. The laborer deserves his wages, and a direct quotation is Luke 10.7. It is clear that we are talking about providing pastors with pay or a salary for the work that he does. Just while, But while these verses do again address the issues of financial support, the issue of provision for a pastor goes much deeper. Just as an ox needs nourishment to work, so does a pastor need provisions for his family's physical needs. Just as you can't work an ox without rest, so does a pastor and his family need times to keep them from being burned out. Pastors need pers- personal time for emotional health and professional time for vocational health. The sacrificial nature of pastoral ministry can sometimes cause a spiritual emptiness that needs to be filled up. And no pastor should ever stand in this sacred pulpit and pull from an empty well. The pastors who pray for those in the church desperately need the prayers of those in the church as spiritual warfare is fought and won by armies and not by individual soldiers. In 2 Corinthians 1.11, the Apostle Paul continues to write to the church, You must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And the third way you help your pastor is to protect. It says, do not admit a charge against a ruler except there be evidence of two or three witnesses. God's word here calls the church to protect the pastor and his ministry, which in turn protects the church. God's here. We are here in the midst of a generation and culture that not only disrespects leadership, but they aggressively vilify and denigrate the authority of almost everything. And it has infected the church. Pastors tend to get attacked. They get blamed. They're accused of just about everything that happens inside the church. And quite often, what pastors do on a daily basis is completely misunderstood. And even then, oftentimes the pastor is unable to explain exactly what's going on and exactly what he is doing because of confidentiality. One of the greatest sins of the church is the slander of gossip. Usually about the pastor, pastor's family, the deacons. It's about someone in leadership. This is usually started and fed by those in the church who are angry over one reason or another. Usually it has something to do with some sort of unmet expectation. So it's always good to pray for your pastor. Paul's words here are a charge to the church to protect your pastor's from the sins of slander and gossip. That being said, Brian will make mistakes. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But sometimes we're wrong and our flesh gets the best of us. We are fallen human beings who have weaknesses just like everyone else. But even in the midst of all that, God calls us to sacrificially serve Him as pastors of His churches. It is the hardest, but also the most glorious job that there is and the most joyful, satisfying location on earth the three verses of Psalm 16 say preserve me O Lord for in you I take refuge I say to the Lord you are my Lord I have no good apart from you as for the saints in the land they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight today God is telling us to honor our pastor provide for their pastor and protect your pastor Colossians 3:12 says put on then." "...as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if you have a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive, and above all put all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body." And be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to the Lord God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So once again, we gather today on this very special day. You won't forget this, Brian, to celebrate the hand of God on Brian Colley's life. It's an affirmation by the church to say this particular man has been set apart for God's will and his service. So at this time, I'm going to ask Brian and Mandy if you'll come. Just have a seat here for just a second. I'm going to take a minute and pray over you personally and then I'd like to invite all the ordained men of the church and their wives to come and just take a moment or two and pray over them. If you would, just bow your heads with me as we pray. Almighty God, sovereign King, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you for what you have done in the heart and life of Pastor Brian. You created him, you saved him, you called him, you taught him, and you have been using him greatly in your church for many years. Lord God, we stand before you today affirming your hand on his life to set him apart for the ministry of the gospel. We pray that according to the riches of your glory that you would grant Brian to be strengthened with power through your spirit in his inner being. So that Jesus Christ may dwell in his heart through faith. That he would be rooted and grounded in love. With the strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth. depth, And that he would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That he would be filled with all the fullness of God as he serves you in the days and years ahead. We also pray that you would use Brian beyond our highest expectations as we know that you are able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask and think according to the power that works within us. We pray that you would continue to pour your Holy Spirit out into Pastor Brian's life and his ministry so that he would go boldly into this community and preach the mysteries of the gospel in you. Lord Heavenly Father, we ask that you would grant him the grace and the ability to shepherd these people So that this body of Christ might shine for Jesus in this community. Increase and increase the kingdom of God. Lord God we pray that you would fill Pastor Brian with the knowledge of your will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that we would walk in a manner worthy of you. Fully pleasing to you. That his life would bear fruit in every good work. And increasing in his knowledge of you. Be strengthened with your power according to your glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy. Lord God, we give you thanks who you are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Lord God, we also ask this day your blessing upon Mandy and Annalise and Brindley. We pray that you would love them, protect them, guide them, and use us as your people to do this as well. Fill them with your mercy, your grace, and your love. And may they be a blessing to Brian as their husband, as their father in his ministry to the churches he serves today and throughout his years in ministry. May the lives together be joyfully spent for the cause of Christ as they joyfully build the kingdom of God for your glory. Lord Jesus, we stand today as the body of Christ and commend Pastor Brian to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build us up and to keep us and give us all God's people inheritance inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Lord, once again, Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this day that we've set set aside to honor this man. Father, we thank you for the ultimate example of Christ. And we pray now the prayer that you taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I ask at this time the ordained men would come forward as we sing. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son. Who yielded his life an atonement for sin. And opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. O oh, come to the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done.
1: We need a fresh wind The fragrance of heaven Pour your spirit out Pour your spirit out Of heaven, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Holy anointing, power of your prayer. Spirit and pour your spirit, pour your spirit, prophesy and sing we can hear the wind blow in, blow in, blow in and move upon our praise, sons and daughters sing. We can hit. Spirit out, pour your Spirit out. Holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your Spirit out, pour your Spirit We need a freshman, fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out. my opinion. please stand and we'll close with a word of prayer Father we thank you and we give you all the praise for this time we've had together for this for this uh, great time this time of, uh, of being witnesses to Brian's ordination being part of it and we just pray that you would continue to strengthen and guide he and Mandy through this ministry we thank you for each person who's come out this afternoon and we just pray that you would go with us as we leave here now and, and help us to shine that light through the week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.